Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and in the middle and at the end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may these conversations shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, grab a cup of, I mean, whatever you want. We usually say peppermint tea, but we had a listener bring us a new drink. It's called Mushroom Coffee. We're going to say a uh, little cheers to Roseanne. We're going to give it a try for the first time on air. I'm, I'm nervous. I've never consumed mushrooms in this fashion. Before. I know. This is going to be a wild podcast. <laughs> it, don't worry. It's not that Buckle kind up. of mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> we think. <laughs> Kind of oh. tastes like burnt popcorn. Whoa. Do you, do you taste that? Very specific. Also, for the record, this wasn't like handmade by Roseanne. She she grew the mushrooms she herself. Did, she didn't like it herself, and so but <laughs> one has to give it a try. So um, that's why we're not like just dissing her. It's like, oh, this is trash. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's got like, yeah, a little burnt popcorn, but like also like instant coffee kind of a thing. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever had instant coffee. Oh, I didn't know you were rich. Oh, <laughs> no, it's just because I don't I'm drink coffee kidding. almost yeah, ever. That's good. It just, to me, tastes like burnt coffee soaked in a cup of mud water for a little while. Yeah. A- and that being said, I don't know what mud water tastes like. I was thinking like literal mud. Totally. Mud <laughs> water is another kind of mushroom drink. It's all well, the rage these days. Anyway, cheers to um, our friends over at Rise Mushroom Rise Coffee. Mushroom coffee which... Not sponsored. They're not sponsoring this. Podcast. Obviously, by our reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Unless that's on their bag. Tasty notes. Mm-hmm. Burnt popcorn. <sighs> Anywho. But it's like good. It's like buttered popcorn that was burnt, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm. it's got that MCT oil, like bulletproof coffee. Mm, so I, it's, it's got all kinds of stuff. I don't going. know what that is. I don't know. It's all the hip coffee things to do that people oh. that have more muscles than me drink. Will I get muscular drinking this? Probably. All right, sign me up. Comment down below if you think he got muscular by the end, more muscular by the end of this podcast. Just hold his arms out this way. <laughs> Anywho, flexing. Start all to that cramp. to say, now enjoy the Deep Waters podcast. I've, was that <laughs> Nelson Mandela that said that? Uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah. <laughs> Maya Angelou. Yeah, it was Maya Angelou. That's good. I haven't heard that one. Beth Moore said that actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah. We love all those people. Hi friends. Hello. Hi, hi Jace. Hi. Hi Benjamin. How are you? I'm so, so happy to be here. It's just. I always tell people this is one of the better parts of my week. Mm, I feel that. And it stood, you know? We're nearly a year into this bad boy. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. We're over 40 podcasts in. Totally. Crazy. I mean, I guess we're like 90% of the way into a year. Is that sure. right? Well, I'm not I can't do math. 95. 52. We're probably closer to 80% of the way, are we? Oh, probably. Uh-huh. Is that how that works? Well, 80-something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that math in my head right now, but this is podcast episode 41, Should All Things Go According to Plan. Mm -hmm. And we're continuing to talk about Darren Roundsen. This is going to be our last podcast discussing the contrasts between consumeristic Christianity and radical discipleship. So Mm -hmm. we've been in this series for quite a few weeks now, and yeah, we're going to look at three different contrasts today. Uh, At least that's our plan. And... Yeah, we'll see what we glean from it and finally put this series to bed so we can move on to other things. But we never want to move away from the practical implications of radical discipleship to Jesus. So, yeah, I feel like him coming has like even really ignited a 
a conversation of like, what are we doing for discipleship at River House? Hmm. Um, which is really great and something that I wasn't actively thinking about, at least in this context of what a radical disciple is. Yeah. Like we like discipleship is devotionals or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's like actually pretty life changing. Mm. That's kind of the point. Like it's the point is to change from who we are uh, naturally, inherently, I don't know, with all of our disordered desires to become more like Christ in doing what he did. Mm. Is that a good like summary of what our call as Christians is? <laughs> like, Absolutely. If, if I could whittle that down to a pretty poorly written sentence. No, it was great. I like that <laughs> you, when you ended with doing what he did, it reminded me of Bridgetown Church's motto, which they have a little mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, Bridgetown Church in... Portland, Oregon, pastored by Tyler Staten, who's wonderful, mm-hmm. formerly pastored by John Mark Comer, who is wonderful. Um, they say, this is a paraphrase, but it's something like a community um, driven towards spending time with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. Mm-hmm. Just like holistic, which I think is basically what you just said. Yeah, totally. I think that, I think what's cool about all of those is they're like, um, proofs of one another like if you're saying you're spending time with jesus but you're not becoming more like jesus you're probably not doing it right oh that's good if you're not like uh um doing what jesus did you're probably not becoming like him you know yeah it's all those kinds of the waterfall of restoration like we've talked about before which i think we might touch on a little bit here too so it reminds me of when james says that faith without works is dead because works should be the proof of honest faith Mm-hmm. it's like if you're actually spending time with Jesus you should be out on the streets doing the, some of the things that he did totally. I should be able to see Jesus in the way that you live your life why do you think that mm. people have in regards to that verse faith without works is dead I feel like so many people muddle that with salvation and it's like mm, sure. but really like that has nothing to do with salvation yeah I'm glad you said that not because it's really a part of our notes but because it's really important and I don't want to quote that verse and make someone think, oh, they're preaching works righteousness in order to be saved. I have to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that can be maybe implied from that verse taken out of its meaning and context. Yeah. But what James is getting after is if you're saying that you've put your faith in Jesus, but it doesn't affect your life, then you haven't actually put your faith in Jesus. Yeah. So the faith doesn't exist if there isn't works manifested from that faith is what he's saying. Mm -hmm. So he's not saying, Hey, um, you're not working for your salvation and doing all these things. Therefore you haven't been saved because I, I can't check these. You're like, I can't check off all of these to do's on your salvation checklists or something. That's, that's works righteousness. Mm -hmm. That's what other religions preach. Christianity uniquely preaches that you're saved only by the blood of Christ as you receive his blood. Mm-hmm. And just as you can receive it, Christ's and the Father's grace are such that we can reject it. And I think a life of rejecting faith in the blood looks like not living into the way of Jesus. So you might be able to see works or the lack of works as a manifestation of the choice that someone has actually made. Yeah. That's good. So that makes sense. But that doesn't mean that those works are the things doing the saving. They're just an outward sign of that salvific work done in your heart. Yeah. Because, because, because Jesus is so good, you know, because Mm. our love for him is so great. We not only want to become like him, we want to just embody all that he is. Amen. Amen. And that's like, I mean, a lot of the, the seven points that pastor Darren made kind of has a lot to do with that. Yeah. You know, of just you're either on the sidelines or you're engaging. And I like that. That makes me think it's not, well, it's not a total duality in that engaging looks like I'm doing it all perfectly. Oh, yeah. If I'm engaging, it looks like I'm I'm working on it. Totally. And depending on where you are in your spiritual development, your individual sanctification process, mm-hmm. like... It could look really clumsy for you and that's okay because you're steered towards Christ-likeness and it's direction that matters. Orientation. Totally. As some 
theologians say, which I really love. I like that. So good. This is like, you don't have to have all these things figured out. There's no pressure in that. Yeah. And because of Christ's blood, you should desire to work towards these things because it's what Jesus told us is the path to life and life abundant. Mm -hmm. Preach. 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 Preach And and the world is preaching the opposite thing. Mm -hmm. So that's part of what's helpful about these contrasts is we'll just say the first one. What am I working toward? The thing that the world might say in answer to the question, what am I working toward is um, to live according to my own dreams and desires. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my whole life's motivation. I have dreams. I have desires. My whole life is formed around those things. Yeah. Yeah. The world says be whoever you want to be. Mm -hmm. You can do anything at least in the privileged American West, we say that, you know, totally. Um, that's not the narrative of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, I mean, the, the contrast narrative is live for God's purposes in the world on mission, mm-hmm. become who God has made you to be and long for the desires of his heart and make the desires of his heart, the desires of your heart. That's good. When I look at this, my first thought is what is God's purpose or God's mission that I'm supposed to be living towards? Mm. And I think maybe a follow-up question, I think some people could hear that and be like, does that mean I have to just be on the street preaching the gospel the whole time? Do I have to be a pastor? Do I have to, you know, I feel like I think that can get murky. And I feel like I know some of these answers, but let's maybe workshop some of those, you think? Yeah, that's good. Because maybe you say, my dream is to be a CPA so I can provide for my family and like have a couple kids and a dog and live in my dream neighborhood in this wonderful part of the city or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, because that's a desire inside of your heart that I don't think means that it's contradictory to what God has for you Mm -hmm. necessarily. Yeah. Um, I think what the question is getting at is, is your ultimate end to live according to the ways that God has called you? And I think the answer to that for each of us is twofold. There's a general, God has called us all to live in a certain way generally, Mm -hmm. which is like refraining from the classic sins of drunkenness and sexual immorality and so on and so forth. Like if you're, uh, if you're a person listening to this and you're stuck in some kind of sexual sin, for example, Mm -hmm. say you're addicted to pornography, this, um, that's like a general call to the whole church of Christ likeness Mm -hmm. from God. Yeah. Um, if you were like, I actually have a desire in my heart to go into the pornography business because it, pornography has influenced me so much. That's a really loud example of not the call of God. Totally. That that general call could apply to you specifically mm-hmm. really well right there. But then over and above the general call, I think there's an individual call that we only figure out on our own spiritual journeys where I'm constantly asking God, Mm. who have you created me to be? And what would it look like, Lord, for me to unfold myself according to the identity that you've given me, Mm -hmm. um, with my specific skill set and talents and desires in my specific context? Um, and, and how can my passions that you've given me actually align with the world's greatest need? Yeah, that's good. Um, And that isn't general, it's specific. It's all of us are going to answer that question differently. And it doesn't mean that every Christian needs to be in ministry Mm -hmm. like a full-time pastor. Yeah, totally. Because then all the Christians would just be preaching to each other and nobody would be there to pay the tithe. (laughs) (laughs) Just be a really loud room. And more importantly than that, we wouldn't have Christians in the world doing mm-hmm. the marketplace things. Yes. We wouldn't have Christians in the schools doing the marketplace things, you know, like influencing the public sphere, which Christians have always been about, mm-hmm. whether it was Paul, the tent maker, Jesus, the carpenter, yeah, or CS Lewis, the author, 
you know, he's writing mm-hmm. books and he was, um, he was teaching at Oxford, like actually, um, figuring out a way to make his vocation, his skill set, and calling something that was unto the Lord. Or, I mean, same thing for, these are people that I had a thought of writing about later, but like Bob Dylan came to Christ mm-hmm. and wrote his music unto the Lord afterwards. But it wasn't like worship and praise music. He didn't become a worship leader as yeah, far as I'm aware. Totally. He just like redirected his craft towards his new first love, who was Jesus and is Jesus as far as I'm aware. I love that. Is that does that kind of answer mm-hmm. your question? No, totally. I, I got really worried. I no, I think it's really good. I think God's purposes by my understanding is one, like we've talked about in a past series, the restoration of the world. Hmm. That's a big purpose of his to, to, um, make disciples of yeah. all nations, but you don't have to be in ministry to do that. That's not a call. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things and it's like, we're, we're even called to be in the world, not of the world, not completely out of the world. Hmm. So I'm seeing, I'm just kind of connecting all those dots of, yeah, like God, I think the point of this point <laughs> by <laughs> Darren Roundson is just like, if anything is taking the place when you weigh all the options and desires of your heart over the pursuit of Christ and becoming like him, you know, I think that's where like vocations that are a detriment to the world can be bad, you know? Yeah. But like to be a, to be a CPA that wants to provide for your family and you are, managing your finances well and stewarding your relationships well and able to, to give generously and to, um, you know, create wholeness in the relationships that you have at work, at home, in church life, all those things. That's a beautiful example of, of Christ in the world, not of the world. Amen. I don't know. Little mini rant. We need excellent Christian CPAs in the world. Totally. I have a handful around me and it's so fun. One of my best friends, oh, he's not a CPA, I guess. He like does accounting work for a benefit corporation. It's not a Christian organization mm-hmm. or anything. Um, but he also volunteers his time to keep the books for his church. Oh, yeah. So he's like, how can I apply this skill set that the marketplace has trained me in and like bless the church? He doesn't work in ministry it's not like he gets paid to preach. He volunteers to keep the church's finances all together and yeah. close the books on 2022. And he told me he did that and he was so excited. And I was like, wow, praise God that there are people like you in the kingdom doing those kinds of things because yeah. I wouldn't have the skill set to do that. Totally. And it's like so necessary in our world of regulations and government and finance and banking. And it's like Mm. for the church to exist in the American sphere and sustain itself in a way, like we need people like that. And so that's a beautiful skill to have. I love that. I have also heard it said by pastor Jordan Verner that uh, like, (laughs) I think this is kind of fun. You think about what, work is going to look like when we get to the new kingdom, new creation, Mm -hmm. there probably won't be pastors in the same way that we know them today. Yeah. You know, because we'll all just live with God. Totally. (laughs) I wonder if uh, jobs like pastors will, that'll just be obsolete, Mm -hmm. but like farming is, could still very much happen in like a new heaven and a new earth. Wow. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I, I don't know, creating beautiful drinks like coffee and tea. Maybe that's still happening all yeah. over heaven. Chefs and architects and artists and totally. all kinds of things. Creativity, yeah. artwork, music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wonder what, what jobs are more likely to be obsolete. So why not just take that kingdom reality as you see it in the future and pull it into the present? Because Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. Come on, you know, good in the way that you do architecture or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. computer science. (laughs) Can you program a new thing, software development that like somehow glorifies God? Yeah. I was just in that example, I was thinking of like engineering, you know, 
Because I'm like, if if the new heaven and new earth looks like a garden city, we need engineers, civil engineers, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, you know? That's kind of, that's just wild to think about that. I mean, this is speculation. Sure. Because we don't know we don't really know. We're what not heaven's going to look like. It's just a fun thought experiment yeah. of talking about even the value of work. Right. And so let our work be unto God. Amen. Regardless of what we do. That's kind of like number five in a nutshell. Amen. Almost, Praise know. God. And then I was just thinking about some different examples in the Bible where people had certain dreams or desires or tracks of life and they were turned upside down and they started living for the purposes of God. Uh, Classic ones are when Jesus calls James, John, Andrew, and Simon Peter to stop fishing and they lay down their nets and follow him. He said, yo, fish boys, (laughs) come here. Drop, drop those nets. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you fish boys how to fish for big boys. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm um, sorry. Reel that's it in. why we should call them fishermen, I think. Yeah, yeah fishermen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the, And that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we settled that. Or Matthew the tax collector. <laughs> Let's just change the subject. Yeah. Matthew the tax collector. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he was doing wasn't sanctified work because he was most likely like ripping people off like Zacchaeus had been. Uh, And so, but also maybe there would have been a sanctified work to keep taxes. And I I don't know, to collect taxes in Rome. I actually, I don't even know if that would have been possible because there was so much inherent corruption in that system. Totally. But regardless, he left his tax booth and his life changed all of his desires, all of his expertise, his education up to that point went to the wayside when he gave his life to Jesus. And he yeah. said, okay, I'll be an evangelist. I'll be an author. I'll, I'll figure this out hmm. according to your plans for me, Jesus. So good. Or Simon the Zealot. He was like planning to kill a bunch of Romans his whole life. He had been training his whole life to be an excellent warrior so that he wow. could assassinate and kill Romans as much as possible in order to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. And then Jesus teaches him the way of peace and pacifism. (laughs) Talk about new ways, Mm -hmm. you know? Totally. Paul, obviously, is an example of that. Yeah. And it's less... It's less... uh, Stark of a contrast, probably, for most of us, Mm -hmm. at Riverhouse, at least, who... um, who probably aren't like, you know, condemning Christians to death and then get thrown off their horse on the road to Damascus and called to a life of mission the way that Saul was. Yeah. That rarely happens. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, happened to me, that's happened to me like once. So I think it's just probably not the best example. Probably know? not. Okay. Let's look no, for a better example. No, I mean, that's a great example of the concept. Um, I was thinking of like, you know, you could just be a, bachelor who's living your life and you're not accountable to anyone Mm. and realizing that, Oh, like, even though I don't have a family yet or a girlfriend or whatever, a wife, like, um, I'm accountable to the Lord and I want to become more like Christ. And so maybe I won't just buy everything that I want to buy. You know, I, I will like, like follow maybe a life of simplicity so that I can be more generous and, and, man, I have a spare bedroom in my house and like, you know, it's like, Oh, I wanted to be that at the game room, but I really feel like this call to keep it open for anyone that might need it, you know? So it's just like reframing your life, no matter, I mean, if you're a zealot warrior or <laughs> just a bachelor in Boise or a bachelorette in Boise. I you know? love that. I think that's just a, it does. It's yeah, that. And that's still quite a change, you know? It's a, it's hard it's hard to shift from my one will to his will. Like I whenever you're like add wills or take wills out of your life, um, talking about 
the will of the Lord, not just different Williams that you've met. <laughs> different people named Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good call. We love people that named Will. That didn't need though. to be said. No one was thinking that except me. <laughs> I was thinking that, though, <laughs> okay. I'll be honest. <laughs> I was going to make a joke if you didn't. <laughs> but yeah, like I think that's that's a beautifully refining work to be able to surrender your life and your desires for whatever it might be, big or small, um, to something that's for the glory of the kingdom. That's great. And for like God's purposes, like the, the point says. That's so practical. You can apply that to every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how can I be a better manager in the corporate space? What if um, in this like sales job that I'm working, the kind of technique that would work well for the sake of my career actually feels like manipulation and taking advantage of people and not serving them well. So because of that, instead of being driven by the almighty dollar, I'm going to shift the way that I do sales. Not that I have to like leave my job, but maybe there's a sanctified way that I can pursue sales. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of workplaces are also just like rife. Is that the right word? Sure. Rife with gossip. Oh, it's like, especially like in, absolutely. I mean, at least in all like the service industry jobs I've had, it's just like, we're just always ripping on someone else Mm. that's not there, you know? Right. And I'll like, I've definitely, um, joined in those, in those conversations, but I think, I mean, I know we're not called to that as Christians. Like those aren't life giving words. And so to change the way you interact with that culture, and usually to, to not to, or to, you know, veer the subject away from gossip to anything else would be probably better. That's um, so and just something to think about if you're, I don't know, working at a restaurant downtown or you're at a store, like you're working in a retail store mm. or any office place. It's wow. like, let's, what, what words can bring life and not death and separation and tribalism? Amen. I'm reminded of a testimony of w- one of our youth at Riverhouse actually years ago. There was a um, building fund before we bought the land that we own now. Yeah. Um, and people were asked to give in order to potentially buy this other plot of land. And one of our youth at Riverhouse, I forget how old he was at the time, like 12 or 13, mm-hmm. he had been saving up money for months of like, you know, lawn mowing gigs, his allowance or whatever to buy a mountain bike Mm -hmm. because he loves mountain biking and he really wanted to do that. And he felt called by the Lord to give that money to the church for the sake of the building. And he did. He just emptied his savings that he desired to spend on a bike Mm -hmm. and said, actually, I care about this church so much and i feel like that's an opportunity to give isn't that amazing that's so so beautiful it's like childlike I faith love that it's trading desires mm, that's lovely i wonder how i would live differently if um i just followed the desires of my own heart and flesh and like my own dreams oh yeah instead of god's it's like one thing i've said is i think it would be really fun to play music and attempt to play music professionally yeah but that's just never been a desire that felt like it lined up with my calling from the Lord, except on the side and for fun. Totally. But never the main thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you yeah. ever had that thought experiment? Would oh, you live yeah. really differently? I imagine you wouldn't work for a church. Yeah, totally. I think, I think if I had my own, I for some reason, one reason or another, I like things that are expensive. <laughs> for which some reason is lame-o <laughs> um and kind of perpetually frustrating and makes me um full of comparison and covetousness if it like goes unchecked mm-hmm. you know and i think a lot of that is not even like luxury goods but like ethical sustainable goods it's like wow we need a couch i want this couch that's six hundred dollars because it's made in the u.s by you know, really nice people. Yeah. (laughs) And they're paid really well and it's whatever. So it's like, that's a hard thing to hold sometimes. And so I think if that went unchecked or if I didn't have, you know, luckily my wife doing our finances, (laughs) I think I would be wanting to be making more money so that I can 
buy the thing I want and like make my own perfect little world. And it's all just geared towards me. I'm not giving to anything. And, um, I could see that totally happening if I was like left unchecked. I'd probably be not driving a 2004 CRV. <laughs> all those things I like, I think I about a lot. CRV. So I love my CRV too. It just screams, this man's in ministry. <laughs> 100%. 100%. That's so fun. Well, so anyway, listener, I would be curious for you to have that little thought experiment inside your own head. How would you live differently if you just followed your own desires? And then, or better yet, how would you, the life that you're living right now look different? if you were willing to sacrifice some desires for what God might be calling you to, Mm -hmm. maybe it means you're not playing video games as often. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You know, and you're spending more time cooking meals because you're inviting people into your home. Mm -hmm. It could look like a million things. Exactly. That's a, that's a good thought for everyone to kind of work through. Plug and play. I like that. I like it. Cool. Well, there's, there's contrast number five. Should we move on to number six? Let's. All right. Number seven. <laughs> Sorry, that was so lame. Uh, that's good. <laughs> um, number six, how do I steward my resources? Uh, consumer Christians live selfishly. If they give, they give irregularly with control. They wow. give when they can give or when they, when they want to give. Um, and a radical disciple will live generously towards others. Just all the Full time. stop. Period. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Which is... Yeah, I mean, you can take that to the nth degree, you know. It talks about in the Bible, like, if someone asks for anything, essentially, the shirt <laughs> off your back, them. give it to them. And then give them more? Yeah, and give them more. Or yeah. Like, if you see someone who needs healing, like, to live generously and give of your time to stop and pray for them. Um, wow. Yeah, like the generosity of the Good Samaritan who went out of his way to help the person who was beaten half dead on the road to Jericho, I think Mm -hmm. Um, the generosity, not only to take all that time to bring that man to a place where he would be safe, but then to give money and say, Hey, I want to pay for this dude's bills while he's here. And if that's not enough, then let me know and I'll pay the rest. Yeah, <laughs> like totally in Jesus's example of how you are to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the story he tells. It's inconvenient generosity. Mm-hmm. I like to think that it, it messed up his plans too. It's good. Like he was, he was headed somewhere, you know, it's not like he was Doing just something. sitting at home and like someone knocked on his door and like, I need this. And he was like on his way to somewhere and stopped and changed his plans and gave dignity to someone who didn't have it. Yeah, it was just very generous with not only his money, but his time, his love, like all the resources that we believe we have in finite, you know? Right. I like that he has that little caveat in the consumeristic Christianity. It says live selfishly. If they give, they give irregularly with control. I think the with control is cool because I'm feeling convicted by that. It's like, oh, okay, well, let me budget so that my tithing and generosity makes sense mm-hmm. for my plans. Yes, totally. And that everything that's left over will be plenty for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to like skim this off the top. Oh, and there's a lot of excess over here. So I'm going to skim a little bit more, but I'll always make sure that I leave plenty for my own comforts. Not just the bare minimum, obviously, but like for me to meet all of my investment and savings goals, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, for me to be able to go on nice vacations and Mm -hmm. buy comfortable things. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) It's like, we're so privileged in our context. I am, Mm -hmm. I guess I can't speak for the listener, but um, if I didn't give with control, but I even allowed my heart to be open to give in a place where I'd be really financially vulnerable. Yeah. And say like, hey, uh, I mean, I don't think it makes sense for the budget, but I feel the Lord calling us to give this amount Mm -hmm. or to take care of that person's expenses this month. And it's going to be hard for us, but I trust that the Lord's going to provide. It's really convicting, honestly. Uh, That's the kind kind of stuff that Christians are called to. 
I love, I mean, we've talked a lot about stewardship recently. And so I think we're going to make this part just a little bit shorter, Mm -hmm. but it also reminds me of something we've brought up recently of, um, pastor Paul Mm -hmm. from Southeast Asia. Nice. Boom. Boom. We have and, to censor that in case you weren't there for that episode. Exactly. <laughs> Pastor Paul's identity is hidden. <laughs> yes. And, uh, but he talked about how they kind of committed to building things and buying stuff and they just had no money. And wow. it just like, just completely trusting on the Lord to build them a church. And he did. That's amazing. It's like, but I'm like, I, I don't know what it is about our culture or even the fact that we do have, like, honestly, if you're listening to listening to this podcast, I don't know all your stories. If you're listening to this podcast in the United States, we have access. Through a smartphone. Through a smartphone. <laughs> yeah. You have access, you know, mm-hmm. at least a little bit somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's like, to, to the bare minimum is just a, it, we don't even comprehend what that, w- what we would need to live barely by, wow. I think. Or like the bare minimum, or like our just our, a shelter and food, or whatever. And so I just think. And so and so even to say like to give. I don't know. I'm having a hard time, with this because like mm-hmm. if I like, let's say the Lord called me to give up my whole paycheck this month, all of it, all of it. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Your eyes got so big. I know. Tough. Like I didn't like. One, he hasn't, that I've heard, asked me to do that. Yeah. So maybe I'm just like toiling for no reason. Sure. But I'm just like, it would seem, it would seem so foolish. It would. Especially, especially because I'm at a level where, you know, we've got dual incomes in my house. My wife works a full-time job. And so we would be able to sort of manage, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not sure where I'm going. With and this. it would have to be a conversation that both you and your wife came to because you're one flesh and make those decisions together and it affects your whole family. Yeah. Um, but like to put us in a position where we couldn't make the bills at the end of the month. Yeah. Is that just downright irresponsible stewardship? Because then someone else would have to provide for me mm-hmm. to make the bills. Yeah, good. That's a good like, point. Okay, I, I'm I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole or like this random what if. I'm trying to figure out what mm-hmm. what is responsible there because I guess there is a way to maybe mishear the Lord. It's like, hey, give to this organization, and your heart is so moved, and it's like it is a Christ-like thing to give up unto ourselves. But when you do that to such a I mean, such a negative Nancy. No, you're not. I think this is a fun thought experiment. The idea that's coming to my mind is what if I maxed out my credit card Mm. for the sake of buying people things? It's not even for me. Yeah. But I'm going to accumulate this much debt and trust that God is going to pay my credit card balance at the end Mm. of the month because I don't actually have that money. Yeah. Um. I would argue that's irresponsible stewardship. Of course, I suppose I could be wrong, which is why that's so nuanced. But my guess is that people aren't going to err on that side of their financial stewardship. They're going to err on the side of looking at that and saying, well, I don't want to be irresponsible. And then they justify excess. They justify keeping $3,000 in their savings account for their vacation in three months. <laughs> on Honestly, top of their emergency savings. On top of their emergency. Else. That I think yeah. that's, that's I think where my mind needed to go. I think I was stuck on the debt thing for some reason. Sure. And <laughs> yeah. And then, so we say, Oh, it'd be irresponsible because we've like already made some plans and I don't want to take $500 out of that to meet this person's need. When that, that is without control. Like the Lord is saying, Hey, this person needs $500. Can you give it out of your vacation fund? And you're like, well, I could, but then I couldn't go to Starbucks <laughs> every day. Honestly, it's like, Honestly. all the, like, and so it's like, there is an actual sacrifice there. Uh, absolutely. Which I think is a frame of reference in, in generosity that we don't feel very often in the Western world. And so it's like, I think that's where we might need to just even assess of, would we be willing to, sacrifice 
it's like, hey, I feel the Lord called me this. I'm supposed to take some stuff out of my savings, but it's going to mean that we don't get to go out to eat for three months. That's good. Like that is a sacrifice. Like there's a convenience there. There's an mm-hmm. enjoyment and a pleasure in eating out and eating good food. And I get that I'm maybe like not everyone even has that luxury, you know, right. for the beginning at, at, in the first place. I mean, I, but I, I guess in my context, that's what I'm thinking of. Wow. I want to be willing to do that. Yeah. One thought that came to me is, would I be willing to give enough money that we would have to make a decision as a family in December, hey, we can't buy Christmas gifts this year. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do a present, just make it like your budget is $5 because we've actually given everything else. Wow. And we just have to meet the bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. for whatever reason, Christmas gifts feel mandatory in our society. They do. And it's like, oh, so. would we still be able to feel the spirit of Christmas without unwrapping the new iPhone? Totally. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that to me could be a cool litmus test for how tightly am I holding on to my consumerism? Because it's a kind of gospel that the American dream has taught us. Yeah. Uh, I want to make one more comment and then I think we should maybe move on to number seven. Yeah. Is that okay? Because yeah, we have talked about this a lot. And yeah. And I would encourage if you haven't listened to our couple episodes on financial stewardship, there was one on the prosperity gospel called abundant life versus abundant strife. Is that the one? Yeah. That was super fun talking about money and dependence on the Lord and so on. Give that one a listen. And the one that was released right before that was about financial stewardship as well. Mm-hmm. Go listen to that one too. And we dive more into these topics. So but good. I want to point out just one general um, principle that I think is important to live by yeah. is always remembering that a hundred percent of what we are and what we have belongs to God. Mm-hmm. If we actually have the right heart posture in remembrance that everything I own from my favorite t-shirt to my car to my bank account belongs to God, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be a lot more open-handed with it, though it might be hard. Yeah. If I allow God to take things off of that open hand, yeah, maybe there's a refugee family in the community that needs a car. Mm-hmm. And I feel God calling me to give one of our family's extra cars to uh, them, mm-hmm. at least for a time, if not forever. Like, oh, if if you can say that car is actually God's car that he gave me mm-hmm. and this family needs it now. So God wants to give it to that family now. Yeah. Like the, the heart posture is the thing behind the thing mm-hmm. that's going to make everything else kind of fall into place. So whether you're, you're hung up onto those questions about debt or whatever else, I would say I should ask myself, we should ask ourselves am I living like everything I have belongs to the Lord and I'm really okay with God doing whatever he wants with it? Yeah. And if you are, it's okay to have an iPhone. Mm -hmm. It's God's iPhone that he allows to live in your pocket and you have to not be tight fisted with it. Totally. Like, and that might mean, this is just example came to mind. If it breaks and you don't have the money to replace it right then, there was a Lord's iPhone (laughs) <laughs> and you have them enough money to replace it with a, like a flip phone or something. Like a Nokia flip phone. And like, phone. that's like the, the best stewardship that we can do instead of going into debt for another one, you know, mm, or saving good. up and going without an iPhone. Wow. A cell phone. Whoa. That's impossible. <laughs> actually impossible. That's actually impossible. Sorry. I even suggested that. That's so funny. That was because we feel entitled to certain things like that culturally. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're entitled to have at least one car per person that can drive in my household. Totally. You know, like a one car family is a phrase that sometimes people use to say, whoa, that family has it really hard. (laughs) You know? Totally. The husband and wife have to share a car, which to be honest, that would be really inconvenient if that was my case with my wife because she works like 20 miles away from our house. Yeah. I would just be the one without the car and I'd have to bike everywhere. But Mm -hmm. to be honest... I think that would make for a more abundant life because I love biking. It'd make your quads more abundant. Oh, for sure. I'd be ripping through my pants. <laughs> Thick quads. Okay. Sorry. I got excited. Let's move on to point seven, shall we? Yes. Yeah. Hit us with it.
Who am I to the world? That's the way that I phrased the question. And it's vague, but his points were this. The consumeristic Christian lives a private and self-focused life that hides their true lifestyle from others. Private, self-focused, hidden lifestyle. They only reveal what has been curated for the public. I think about, I go on a trip and I'm taking all of these really stylish photos that I'm going to post on social media with like really cool posts about how my life is incredible. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm dramatically insecure and falling apart on the inside. Totally. But you can't tell from all the Beth Moore quotes that you put underneath your pictures. <laughs> exactly. Call back. Call. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know much about Beth Moore, but what I do know, every time her name comes up, I just, I'm delighted. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. She's great. I don't know. I'm not trying to make her a butt of a joke. Well, but... I do have a Beth Moore quote underneath that. Is that, did you see her no name? No way. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Well, I brought her name uh, you up. You brought earlier her name up. I just thought you just brought her name up. That's funny. She's on my mind because of this quote. I'll I'll just read it because we brought her up again. Yes. She said this: Satan loves isolation. He wants to draw the believer out of healthy relationships into isolated relationships, and out of healthy practices into secretive, unhealthy practices. He purposely woos us away from those who might openly recognize the seduction and call his hand is on. Let's beware of anything that separates us from godly people. That's so good. I mean, thinking about it in those terms, it's like a strategic mechanism of Satan to pull you apart from people and to live in hiddenness and isolation. Mm -hmm. Then, oh, wow, well... I feel a little bit exposed because there's a corner of my life that I share with literally no one because yeah. I'm ashamed of it mm -hmm. because it's something that I thought I'd be able to have control over by this point, but I don't like, this is a classic story of addiction. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to invite anyone into this part of me. Maybe it's just because I'm really insecure and I don't want people to know this, this thing in me. Maybe I'm afraid that if other people knew this about me, they wouldn't love me the way that they do. Mm -hmm. Can I be fully known and fully loved? Satan wants you to feel that place of shame and fear. That's great stuff for him to work with in like that. tearing apart your identity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, making you feel captive or in bondage to clothing, addiction, whatever it is. Yeah. These are total, total spiritual warfare kind of tactics. I'm convinced of it. Absolutely. No, that's so good. Doesn't um, screw tape have something similar to say about isolation? Okay. I was looking it up. You can. I couldn't find oh, okay. what I, I was looking for. I thought you had for. mentioned that recently. Um, but Yes. Uh, the, the screw tape if you're not familiar that's a c.s lewis book called the screw tape letters where c.s lewis basically plays with the idea that there's um a more experienced demon mentoring his nephew demon in the way of tempting humans mm -hmm. and so you get uh, a hypothetical view into the strategy of demons temptation and it's fascinating it's so brilliant if you haven't read the book spend some time and read it. I'm going through it right now. And it, it gets better every time I read it. It's so brilliant. C.S. Lewis is a genius. <laughs> He's so fun. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, do we, did you read the, no, I haven't. You okay. want to read it? Uh, the, yeah. The radical disciple. Totally. Yeah. I think this, well, just to one, one thought on the separation, please that, that, um, consumer Christians, I think, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say, I don't know. I think this is just, if you're of the world and not a radical disciple too, is another way to say this, mm. you're more likely to live an isolated life. And I think we talked about in the restoration of our relationships with others, like the importance of community and the importance of accountability in that. And so number one, a radical disciple lives open lives. It lives an open life so that others can see the way of Jesus through their lifestyle. That's good. Which is great. I think that means you are, yeah, like have a routine of confession in your life. 
Amen. And you have a routine wow. of hospitality. Like, and like, if you're like, if you're genuinely who you are in front of all people. So when you have people over to your home, like you're not putting on a front and people are there and like you're in close proximity and you're able to, you know, share what's going on in your heart, the hard things in life, all those kinds of things. And I think that just all develops a more holistic light filled existence. That's brilliant. That's a lot of what we talked about last week on the podcast about community, covenantal community too. Oh yeah. This is very, I would say very much tied to that. It is, isn't it? It's nice. I'm thinking iron sharpening iron. Mm -hmm. If you aren't open with your whole self to Christians that might call you to a higher level of discipleship, Mm -hmm. then you're missing out on a greater image of God that can be born in you by having your rough edges shaved off or iron sharpening iron. I remember you used like both of those metaphors last week, sort of interchangeably to say the same thing. And I I think it's good. Christian community is designed to sanctify us and it can't do that work if we don't open ourselves to it. So good. Oh, and uh, one thing that I'm noticing as a common link between the consumeristic Christian um, in all of these, maybe at least a lot of them is comfort, yeah. um, like creature comfort. My flesh is motivated. Mm-hmm. Like there's fear and shame involved. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just more comfortable for me to not be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's just more comfortable for me to not be that generous. It's just more comfortable for me to do the things that I want, <laughs> you know, 100%. and God is calling us out of that comfort into some radical trust that he is our provider that even if we do get kind of hurt by our Christian brother or sister in the sanctification process, we trust that by God's grace and by the grace of the Holy spirit will be better because of it. Hmm. That's good. I mean, I mean like that's, I, one thing I've just keep repeating over and over recently is just the active lifestyle we're called to in discipleship with Christ as in it just takes initiative. It takes, you know, um, intentionality. You're not going to act. You're not going to just randomly become like Jesus without doing anything on purpose. You know, the person on top of the mountain just didn't get there. Like they climbed it. My dad would always say that. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) that's good, but it's, it's, it's so true, you know? Um, I wanted to yeah. follow a little logic if I can. Please. Just because I think these kinds of theological formulas are nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this could have been inserted in last week's podcast also, but I think because of the overlap, it works for this final point. God, as we understand him in Christianity, and this is unique to Christianity, God is a triune community of love mm-hmm. in and of himself. God is communal. I love that. And if God is essentially relational in himself, and it's okay if the Trinity makes no sense to you because it doesn't make sense to anyone. Um, (laughs) uh, Then in his love created for the sake of relationship, that when all things are at shalom, in the state that they're created to be, they should be in right relationship with each other, which is why we went through that, that stewardship series and the podcast that we did on restoring your relationship to God, self, others, and creation. Mm-hmm. So God as a relational creature is inviting us into healthy relationships. It would then follow that if our trajectory is not in the direction of exposed, vulnerable, meaningful, encouraging relationships, but instead it's towards hiddenness and isolation Mm -hmm. and secretivism. Yeah. Secrecy. Secretism. Secretivism. Secrecy is what I was looking for. Um, We're walking further from God's ideal and closer to where the enemy wants us. Mm -hmm. So... I guess why I wanted to say that is it's just the logic for me follows. And because that 
follows, I think it's exposing. Mm-hmm. If there's any part of me that I haven't invited someone else into, someone that I trust, obviously you have to be wise and discerning who you invite into the dark corners of your heart and mind. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't invited anyone, then the, the enemy has you where he wants you in that sphere of your heart and mind. Um, and I just want to encourage myself and the listener mm-hmm. to confess where confession is necessary, yes, whether sin is involved, so maybe it's just an insecurity or like a deep seated lie that unfortunately you've come to believe about yourself and you just eat away at yourself because of this lie. Just, I beg of you shed light on it. Yes. That's such a and good word. It will be your healing. Mm-hmm. James five sixteen says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healed is the word that he describes a wow. result of confession. Isn't that beautiful? That's so beautiful. Hmm. That's an invitation for the radical disciple. And then <clears throat> I heard this in a John Tyson sermon. I thought it was brilliant. The way that blackmail works in the world is, oh, you get dirt on someone Mm -hmm. and then you say, I'm going to expose that dirt unless you do the thing that I want you to do. (laughs) What if you're in a situation of blackmail? The person's like, oh, I'm going to show everyone all these photos or all these texts or whatever from your past. Yeah. And you say, oh, well, my whole community group at church knows about it and they love me still. So whatever. Totally. (laughs) Like you love that. You've taken power out of the hands of the enemy. Mm hmm. Out of the blackmailer in that case. That's so good. Isn't that fun? That's a great picture and like <laughs> test of like, you know, I love that. That's really good. <laughs> so I loved it. I thought it was really practical even to think about. I don't know why. I've mm-hmm. obviously never been in that circumstance, but I'm picturing myself like down on the corner and a mobster has like a gun in my face and he's trying to blackmail me. Like I'm on, I've just, I guess I've watched movies that have had that yeah. scene in them, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually not afraid of anything. Cause I tell Jace all of my darkest secrets and yeah. he loves me still. Totally. He hasn't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. Same with my wife. That's, That's so, so great to feel fully known and fully loved ushers the peace of Christ. Oh, don't That's you think? a good line <clears throat> to be fully known and fully loved ushers in the peace of Christ. So we said, yes, that's a good within ourselves. That's so good. Can I, um, to wrap this up? Yes. I think it'd be fun to read all the radical disciple lines Mm. as like a prayer for all of us. Do you think that'd be cool? I think it's brilliant. Do you, do you want anything to add on point seven before I do that? Or do you feel like, I think we've said all that there is to and if say. There's something to add at the end, but I'm like, I think this could be really beautiful. I love it. Okay. Hmm. Well, to wrap all this up, may we be radical disciples that live the word of God and allow scripture to be authority in directing the affairs of our lives. May we live the way of Jesus and choose to make other disciples. Hmm. May we live empowered by the spirit in everyday ordinary life. May we live in covenanted, covenanted countercultural community in a local church context and live for God's purposes in the world on mission. May we live generously towards others and live open lives so others can see the way of Jesus through our lifestyle. Amen. Amen. I want to be all that. I, I long to be all of that. Mm. We're on the road. And we are in process and haven't figured it out. I hope that that's really clear to the listener when (laughs) they hear us talking about it. We're Mm -hmm. not talking about it because we figured it out. Yeah. We're talking about it because we know it's important and we're, our orientation is towards this kind of discipleship ourselves. It just sounds like a really beautiful, full, wonderful life Hmm. to live that. Amen. Like instead of being having your life marked by anxiety, depression, greed, comparison, you know, confusion. Yeah. Hiddenness. Right. It's like, may we be people of joy and knowing and confession and generosity and people of the word of God, people that listen and follow the the voice of the spirit. Wow. Like that sounds, that sounds lovely. 
You know what's been on my mind lately? I don't know if this is just my thoughts or the Holy Spirit trying to illuminate something to me, but I've heard it said that revival is almost always marked by a call, an inward call to holiness, like a hunger for holiness. Yeah. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they mm-hmm. will be satisfied. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm seeing that in the church more lately. Do you see that? Yeah, I, I think so too. I've seen that more in my life, That's honestly. So cool. I, I'm, I'm sure the Holy Spirit is up to something really wonderful in our midst. Mm-hmm. I see it in the youth group every single week. Wow. Like teenagers that desire wholeheartedly to be sanctified. Praise God. I can't say that about the teenagers that were around me and myself when I was their age. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I hope I can say that about myself to a certain degree when I was their age, but... Mm-hmm. So I don't want to overmake that point, but it's, I mean, it's true. Something is happening in our midst that is a hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And Christ says, blessed are those. So good. I'm expectant. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you turned it into a prayer there because it's one thing to talk about it. We can have all the great conversations until we're blue in the face. But if we're not inviting Holy Spirit to do this work within us, mm-hmm. And figuring out ways to make it practical in communion with him. Then none of these conversations mean anything. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. It's so good. I think that's a really good way to kind of capstone that uh, sermon we got from Pastor Darren. <laughs> yeah. We, we really turned that sermon, just what he did in like five minutes. <laughs> into a many hours long discussion. And I'm glad we did. Oh yeah, me too. We could talk about discipleship exclusively on this podcast indefinitely, but we're not going to. I mean, we will in different ways. Yeah, I don't I think, think we in, can get in away like from it. Indirect ways. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I hope that everything that we talk about on this podcast has some relevance to our discipleship to Christ. I think I think it will, and I think it has yeah. thus far. Whether it's learning about the origin of the Bible, or it's learning about, you know, the prosperity gospel or the fivefold ministry, it's like these are all things that like help us become better parts of the community and more refined people of Christ. So that's good. I see that everything is spiritual, and all things are discipleship. <laughs> <laughs> Don't write them. <laughs> Uh, in the yeah. in, in the way of Christ? In the oh, way no. of Christ. On the Deep Waters podcast. Um, <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, uh, listener, we would love to hear from you. If you have yeah. something that you want us to talk about, we're wrapping up this series. Mm-hmm. And at least at the time of recording this, we don't have a plan for what we're doing next. We'll probably bring some people in, do some more interviews. Yeah. Um spend some time in prayer and just discern where the Lord wants to take us. Mm-hmm. So by the time you write us, we might have something else planned, but that doesn't mean we can't add that later on. Exactly. Yeah. So please, if you want us to chat through something, if you're curious, you have a question, like there's a guy that I mentor who asked me if pets go to heaven. Yeah. It was such a fun dialogue. I, you could ask anything and mm-hmm. if prayerfully we consider it and choose to talk about it, we would love to entertain those questions. I love so it. At some point we should even have a bunch of people submit questions and then just read through questions. I think a and a podcast or Q question and response podcast yeah. would be great. Yeah. We'll I think that'd be really that. fun. Mm-hmm. Give so, us some hard hidden stuff that we may or may not talk about, but <laughs> it might stir us in a certain direction. Right. I love it. Mm-hmm. And may you in your life, Um, just be drawn more and more continually and deeply into radical discipleship as you leave this podcast doing whatever you're doing, driving a car or working out or washing the dishes, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. May you, may you do that thing more like Christ. (laughs) That's a good word. I like that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. I, uh, as much as I love burnt popcorn, I don't think I want to ever have more of this mushroom yeah, coffee. Probably not. I might. I mean, do I feel more alive because I drank it? <laughs> I'll be honest. You look like a moose right now. So <laughs> maybe oh, there's, this might be the wrong kind of shroom. To, there's something to this. Oh, no. <laughs> 
if if I knew that this was doing something really incredible for my health, yeah, I'm I would probably tolerate it. Yeah, for sure. But if it's just for the sake of my enjoyment, mm-hmm. I'll stick with a smoothie or some ginger turmeric tea. All right, to tea, to tea. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Waters Podcast. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, maybe even a recipe or two, please send them to deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. And if you would like to join us at Riverhouse for Sunday service, we meet at the Vineyard Boise at 4 p.m. We'd love to see you there. We cannot do this podcast without a little help from our friends. Our theme music was written and recorded by the Riverhouse Worship Team. Production is done by Jordan Sodeman. Special thanks to Isaiah Guerrero for our artwork. Benjamin Olson writes and co-hosts with me, Jace Langley, and I also edit this bad boy. If you like this podcast and want to keep going on this journey of discipleship with us, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the Deep Waters podcast. May Christ be with you wherever you go.